don't wait for someone else to fix the lagoon. You can do it yourself. If you want to go to our website, there's a number of things on helpthelagoon.org. The more people that get engaged in these things, the, the faster it's going to recover. Please get involved. Hello and welcome to Voices for the Lagoon, a weekly program dedicated to the past, present, and future of the Indian River Lagoon. I'm your host, Paul Rubin. Today, I'm excited to have Craig Wallace and Vince Lamb join us to talk about their work with the Brevard Indian River Lagoon Coalition. Craig is the chairman and Vince is the environmental policy chair of the coalition. Thank you both for joining us for our very first episode. It's uh, my pleasure. I'm excited to uh, share some of the thoughts with, with everyone. First, I'll add that I was inducted into the coalition this year and have been looking forward to sharing the work you both have done and other members have done with our listeners. Vince, as a Florida native and founding member of the coalition, what's your background living near the Indian River Lagoon and how did you become an important advocate? Paul, I moved my family to South Brevard in 1970 and then worked in the computer technology industry pretty much full time or 60 hours a week or so. Uh, until 2008. When I, when I retired, I decided to commit most of my energy to learning about nature and advocating to protect our natural areas. I quickly became involved with sea turtles, fire to scrub jays, native plants and wildflowers, and conservation lands. Before long, it became clear that protecting Florida's waters was the area of greatest need. Great. And I, I know you've been busy today uh, with those sea turtles. Yeah, Vince is a very active person in our community. He's in many different groups. Craig, can you share your history with the Lagoon advocacy and why you ultimately decided to call uh, this area your home? Yeah, uh, so I've been a Floridian since uh, the mid-60s, uh, living in South Florida. But I, my first interaction with the Lagoon was uh, my one of my first jobs. I worked for about two years in, in Melbourne for one of the Harris uh, corporations. And I just fell in love with the lagoon. I mean, they, so many things. I'm a, I'm a water person. I love to spend a lot of time sailing, fishing. And I remember the days when off the O'Galley Causeway, I, in the evening, we put a light out and attracted the shrimp and we scooped five gallon buckets full of shrimp out of the, uh, out of the lagoon. And, you know, we just had great, great times sailing and, and other things on the, on the lagoon. Both me and my wife made a vow that when I retired, this is where we're going to retire to. So in 2016, I, that's exactly what we did. We bought a house here. Fortunately, we were able to get on the lagoon. And the unfortunate part is that all my great memories of this clear water and, and beauty of the lagoon was all of a sudden wiped out in the first day I moved in. when I saw dead floating fish in my backyard. Just the whole canal was just covered with them. And I was just aghast. I said, well, what have I gotten into here? I think my house value just went down. So that's how I kind of got involved. I'm an electrical engineer. I didn't know anything about marine biology, ecology, or whatever. So I had to quickly learn. And uh, I did that through a lot of the organizations that are part of the Lagoon Coalition, through the Marine Resource Council, the Brevard Zoo, and various programs. Uh, matter of fact, uh, started out with the zoo actually and did the oyster gardening and uh, just had an interesting uh, experience today. I was able to go down to Harbor Branch Institute and actually see where the oysters originate from, uh, where they're in the hatchery down there. Wow. And that was a pretty interesting uh, experience for me to see that. And then we brought all the 
oysters back here for distribution. So that's a pretty cool thing. So, but I did want to relate one other thing. Today, I'll call it the lagoon day because the wind was blowing pretty good today. I said, I just have to get out on the water. And the water right now is about as clear as I've seen it since I've been here. And so I went out windsurfing today. Wind was blowing like 20 miles an hour. And it was just, I just felt like I was in heaven. You know, this is why I moved to Brevard County and and have a waterfront property because I got so much pleasure out of that. So how I got involved with the coalition was through all these organizations that I had volunteered for. And then I found out the coalition was kind of like the the backbone of all of them. That's how the coalition got started. I got interested in that and I came in as kind of in the communications team. Then I ended up well-informed enough to uh, become the uh, chairman. Vince had done a great job prior to that and I'm picking up where he left off. I think you mentioned uh, the the fish kill when you first moved here and that kind of, you know, maybe segues into my first question. When and under what circumstances did the coalition form? Paul, you actually have to go a little before the fish kill. The brown algae bloom of 2011 was a triggering event. That bloom started at the north end of the lagoon, but spread pretty much south through Brevard County, resulting in the deaths of dolphins, manatees, pelicans, and other species. We had international press. I think the London Times and some international papers actually covered the uh, severity of, of the marine life dying in our lagoon. Actually, this this 2011 algae bloom ended a 20-year period when most people thought the lagoon was quite healthy. In 1990, early 90s anyway, legislation or ordinances were passed and the work took place to stop the sewer plants from putting treated effluent directly into the lagoon. And that was very commonplace before that time. So when that largely stopped in the early 90s, all of a sudden we thought the lagoon had been saved. And uh, and it had, it got back, there was a lot of seagrass growth that occurred between the the mid-90s or so and 2011. And every year we were seeing, the MRC was reporting more seagrass and everything was good. And 2011 was really kind of when the bubble burst. Now, 2016 was, uh, was a more extreme event with a giant fish kill. But the coalition... The organizers of the coalition were bonded together informally in 2011 and then started the incorporation process in 2013. You know, the real excitement was 2016 when uh, when we moved forward with supporting the half cent sales tax. And we're going to talk about that sales tax more later in the episode. Craig, can you tell us about the uh, initiatives the coalition is currently pursuing? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that uh, we've, we've started up. The first one I wanted to mention was the uh, Lagoon Voices, which we've always been uh, advocating for, you know, the Lagoon and trying to get people to call their congressmen. And what we wanted to do is more formalize it a little bit so that we could really get as many people as possible joining us in, in the advocacy efforts. So we put together a program that uh, we call Lagoon Voices, which is basically since the lagoon can't speak for itself, we are trying to tell the lagoon story and speak for the lagoon when it comes to getting legislation passed. So the Lagoon Voices is an effort to get the average citizen involved in advocacy. So we put templates together to, to help them out and uh, do sending email messages or 
uh, tell them who to call, give them the provide phone numbers and so forth for the contacts for both our state legislators, uh, governor, and the local is actually, it turns out to be one of the ones where we can be the most influential. Uh, for example, in our county, in the county commissioners, the Saber Indian River Lagoon program, which was the half cents tails tax, had to be passed by the whole county, but the commissioners had to get it on the ballot. Part of the challenge was to get the commissioners understanding what the problem was, what needed to be done, and that this program could actually fix it. There's a lot of time spent with Vince and, and uh, the other early coalition members trying to get it put on the ballot. Just real quick, so just to provide a little context, in, in 2016, a 10-year half-cent sales tax was passed by the voters to help restore the lagoon. And that's just, I think, what you're speaking about at the moment. What was the coalition's role in the referendum? How has that plan uh, gone through at the, to this point? Well, the early part was advocacy to get the referendum on the ballot. That took a commission vote. Actually, we ended up with a unanimous commission vote. Uh, we had one uh, one commissioner that said, I really don't believe in this, but I'll let the voters decide. So all five voted to uh, put it on the ballot. At that point, we needed a political action committee, which is with the coalition as a, as a 501c3 nonprofit is limited as to what we can do in political activities. A political action committee has, has less limitations. Bo Platt and myself uh, organized the political action committee to support the half-cent sales tax. And we raised monies that then were used to buy yard signs. Uh, we did a lot of communication, a lot of Facebook short videos. Uh, uh, we did ma- postcard mailers to, uh, to voters. We did, we had a, a bill, an electronic billboard on, uh, on, on US one. We did a lot of work to, and we also, the, the coalition itself found people to walk neighborhoods. So we walk neighborhoods all over all over Brevard County, handing out a door hanger that uh, why you should vote for this. Mm-hmm. The exciting part was that we ended up with a 62 percent overall vote in favor of taxing people, taxing themselves to clean up the lagoon. And we had more than 50 percent in every single precinct in Brevard County, including the ones that are 10 miles away from the lagoon. With the tax set to expire uh, in 2026. Uh, what do you think is at stake to ensure the future of uh, restoration in the lagoon, Craig? Yeah, so as you said, the, the sales tax was only set up initially to get it passed with a 10-year uh, sunset. Our challenge right now is to help people understand what has that program actually done for the lagoon and what still needs to be done. Because if you look back at the, the history of any estuary recovery program, None of them are 10-year programs. We need to be able to to continue this on for after the 10-year expires. So what we're trying to do is make sure that the general public has as much information as possible in terms of what the existing program is doing and that there's still a need for it to continue cleaning up the lagoon. So we've got various communications programs that we're trying to put together, but there's also a, a larger program that involves trying to get everyone that's not just part of the Brevard Coalition, but all the counties up and down the Indian River Lagoon to participate in so that we have kind of a uniform messaging going out to the whole community will hopefully provide enough to to get this, get the sales tax tax renewed, but also some of the other counties that don't have a sales tax, maybe even encourage them 
to see the benefits in having some investment locally. And so when I asked earlier about current uh, initiatives, I think this is a big one. And I, I cut you off a little earlier, but are there any other things you'd like to add to that besides the sales tax and referendums? Yeah, our big initiatives right now, uh, the, the first one is really the Environmentally Endangered Lands Program. And we'll talk more about that in, in a future podcast. But uh, Vince has been working with the county to try to buy up properties that are in environmentally sensitive areas. And that's another one that is a referendum that needs to be re- renewed next year. So we're trying to get that on the ballot. But I can't imagine those properties not being conserved and and all the areas that need to be conserved, not being conserved. So that's a huge one for this area, uh, the EELS referendum. Um, Vince, is there anything you'd like to add on that? Well, we're moving forward uh, with actually the county attorney right now is uh, helping us approve the ballot language uh, that will be on the referendum. It will be uh, uh, June, the June 12th meeting that the county commission hopefully will vote to put this referendum on, on the ballot for the November election. It is expected to include up to $50 million of new conservation lands, and we're, we're committed to focusing on lands to protect the Indian River Lagoon. Great. And we will talk about this uh, in a future podcast. Uh, we're going to focus on it. It's a really important subject. I'm speaking with Craig Wallace and Vince Lamb, Chair and Environmental Policy Chair of the Brevard Indian River Lagoon Coalition. Are there any important details from this year's legislative session uh, you would like to talk about, Vince? Yes, the, uh, the 2020, uh, 2022 legislative session accomplished very little to protect Florida's waters. Most of the bills that introduced that involved water didn't get past committee reviews. One controversial bill, Senate Bill 2508, passed both houses and is awaiting the governor's signature. This bill was strongly supported by Big Sugar and initially opposed by the Captains for Clean Water. We're not sure exactly how good or harmful it is, but it basically has no effect on Brevard County waters. The biggest opportunities in, uh, in 2022 were to obtain funding. The proposed budget includes substantial funding for the Brevard Zoo Aquarium design effort, and for the next phase of the Florida Tech project to, uh, to bring clean ocean water into the north end of the lagoon. Both of those are in the budget as it passed. The governor might veto any budget item. The zoo has organized a letter writing campaign to ask the governor to, uh, to not veto the aquarium funding. What do, you, what do you think the chances are he will veto? That's hard to read. It's, uh, apparently, the, the budget is considered too fat. He's, he's under pressure to, uh, to veto some components of it. We just don't know how much. Uh, we're, uh, the zoo has a lobbyist that, uh, that has a good relationship with the governor. Uh, we hope we're in good shape, but you never know. Okay. I think a lot of the environmental legislation this year had to do with the Everglades and not so much with, with the lagoon specifically. Yeah, when you look at the budget, you can find this, the, the zoo one is like 950,000. I think the Florida Tech one is, uh, is also something under a million. Uh, and I, there may be more of, uh, of smaller things to, to benefit the lagoon that are in the budget. The budget doesn't attract as much attention or isn't as hard to pass as a regular bill is. The next question is for Craig. How, how can citizens do their part to help advocate for the lagoon through the coalition's platform? Yeah, I think as Vince mentioned the uh, the legislation in this past session, what we 
what we encourage people to do is number one, get signed up as, as with our Lagoon Voices program, which is the advocacy program I spoke up earlier. Basically what Vince was talking about, let, writing letters and calling the legislatures is the best way that the, the average citizen can participate. And you don't need to write a long letter, just a, a very short one and just make your point. You're for this legislation or against legislation. And when you call the office, that's actually what's considered the most effective method for communicating with legislatures is to call. They'll always answer the phone. You'll talk to a legislative aide more than likely. You won't be talking to the legislator. And it's shown that this year uh, with the, uh, the Senate Bill 2508 legislation that, that Vince talked about, the public really got on the case of that one and it, it didn't get killed, but it got modified significantly. So the worst parts of it were, were gone. But the, the important thing is people spoke up and it was heard in Tallahassee. So that's the thing we need to do. And once again, in the local area, there's always going to be some issues there. By going to our website in the Lagoon Voices page, you will see what the current issues are that you can uh, you can work on. So this platform is called Lagoon Voices, and I think it's a way to unify voices, like you mentioned, which brought up a, a question I had earlier that I had yet to ask, but why is the word coalition so important? And either Craig or Vince can answer that. When I came on board, it was because the coalition was a coalition. In other words, it's a group of all the environmental organizations that are working to, to figure out how to uh, clean up the lagoon and encouraging people to participate. So the coalition is actually an organization that got together to pass the uh, the Hassan sales tax, but it was all those different groups working together on a common platform that is really what made it work. So that's really what the coalition significance is, is that we, we bring all these people together to work on specific things and target our, our message, and it gets amplified by all the people that are involved in the coalition. Let me just add that uh, the coalition provides forums that that allow people to express their thoughts and get feedback. We also discuss uh, common messages that we can all embrace and perhaps uh, work toward the, quote, one lagoon, one community, one voice uh, suggested by the Indian River Lagoon National Estuary Program. This is not part of the questions that I had uh, prepared, but there is some future projects coming up. Uh, I think it's called Lagoon League. Is that correct? Yes. So the Lagoon League is is basically what Vince was just uh, speaking of there. And that's a, a unified voices thing again, but it's uh, not just for Brevard County. It's to try to bring in all the the five counties that are connected to the Indian River Lagoon and people in those various counties that are working on programs when they have something that they want to message on, whether it's legislation or whether it's you know some county ordinance or whatever it is that they're working on they engage all the the communities along the lagoon to try to help them amplify their voice and get the message out in a stronger fashion so it's a, a really important thing we're just getting that off the ground now and there'll be a survey going out that will initially try to establish what people's understanding of what are the problems with the lagoon and how well is the sales tax doing and things like that and then we'll measure it continuously every year to try to see how these communications are improving the, the knowledge in the community. Sort of like a coalition within a coalition. So Straight Talks is a uh, program that has been put on uh, multiple times by the coalition. Uh, 
before and during the pandemic. I think it was virtual during the pandemic. So that's uh, set to restart in June of this year. Can you give a brief history of the event and uh, what's coming up soon? Sure. The term straight talk was first used to provide fairly large forums to share information about the restoration after the sales tax was passed. The first one was held at the Gleason Performing Arts Center at Florida Tech, which seats close to 500. We have used that, that venue in partnership with the Florida Tech Lagoon Research Institute, and we usually get close to capacity. In 2019, we had straight talks in Melbourne, Titusville, Satellite Beach, reaching a total of about 900 people. We had one virtual one during the, uh, during the pandemic, but the pandemic pretty much shut us down, and we're excited about bringing it back to life. Uh, Craig, you want to talk about the upcoming one? Yeah, so the, the, uh, the first one we're going to do, actually, we did one last year. It was virtual because nobody could go to these events, <clears throat> but uh, it's really important for these to be live in-person things because the main thing we're trying to accomplish, as Vince said, is give, give people the opportunity to ask the experts their questions and get them answered in that forum. So uh, the one in June will be June 23rd, uh, and it will be at FIT once again at Gleason Auditorium. The, the topics uh, for that one, we're going to have some people that will talk about specific programs that have been done, been completed by the, the Save Our Indian River Lagoon Tax uh, Program. And then we're going to have uh, some discussions about seagrasses and, and what's going on there. And we're also going to have a presentation by some of the professors at the uh, FIT that have been working on this uh, lagoon inflow project. It, that's a project which is not cutting an inlet, but it is bringing fresh ocean water into the lagoon and trying to see how that might improve the, the conditions, especially bringing oxygenated water in in the hot summer months when there isn't much oxygen in the lagoon. So that's a real important one. And then we'll have some of the local officials speak, talking about the programs that they are doing in their local area. The forum is to have a couple presentations and then have a panel where anyone can ask the panel any question they want. And that go, that's the majority of the program is the, is the Q&A session. So it's a, a real important thing. And we've gotten a lot of interaction on that in the past. Are there any other upcoming events that either of you would like to talk about? Yeah, I want to mention the, uh, we have a program that we just started up. The first one was in December. It's called River Kids. And it's a, it's a program we kind of imported it from uh, Martin County. They had developed down there, which involves parents and in, in, uh, school-aged children getting together and working on a project that would, would be their interpretation of what's going on in the lagoon. The first one we did was uh, on manatees, and we had a speaker come in and talk to the students about, about manatees and why they're dying and what, what, you know, what, why they're endangered now. And then they wrote letters, actually, letters to, to, that they were sent to the governor, and they did some artwork and stuff. So, so it brings their creativity out, but it also allows them to express what their concerns are about what's going on in the lagoon. The next program is scheduled for uh, May 13th, and it's going to be in Cocoa, and the uh, school that's hosting it is the uh, St. Mark's Episcopal School in, in uh, downtown Cocoa is the school that's hosting it uh, now. And so if you want to get more information on that, you can either come to our website or uh, if you know somebody at St. Mark's, you can talk to them and see how, what their experience was before. We have about 30 to 40 uh, kids uh, attendees, and it's a real exciting thing for them. 
And we'll be doing those once this this program gets rolling. We'll be doing those probably every couple months. Great. And I think Vince mentioned uh, to me before, but oh, this this program was so successful in Martin County that even uh, President Obama, the former president, actually attended and uh, and got to experience sort of this program. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just it's a wonderful experience of getting uh, getting young people, uh, particularly, I think, starting with elementary school children, uh, environmentally aware and uh, expressing their views. It's much harder to ignore an eight year old child talking logical sense about uh, about the lagoon than it is to ignore a, uh, you know, an, an old man. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I could see that as a great way to to get change to occur, especially since they are the future and they're the ones inheriting all of our mess. It's just a mess, but uh, we're we're working towards it. So hopefully, this is just as successful uh, in Brevard County. Do either of you have a takeaway message about the lagoon for those listening? Maybe Craig, you can go first. Yeah, I, I would ha- just have to say, don't wait for someone else to fix the lagoon because it will happen. You can do it yourself. If you want to go to our website, there's a number of things on helpthelagoon.org that you can undertake yourself that will improve the lagoon. There, there are people, uh, the more people that get engaged in these things, the, the faster it's going to recover. Please get involved. Definitely. Vince, closing words? Yeah, I just want to mention that when, uh, when I first realized the trouble of the lagoon in 2011, Pretty quickly after that, I had the opportunity to make a trip up to the Chesapeake Bay, and I visited the Maryland office of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. And I was trying, you know, they have been at trying to protect and restore the Chesapeake Bay for 50 years. So they're way ahead of us in, in many areas. But I went to the Ches- their, their office and, uh, and asked about what they were doing. And big, the biggest thing is involving people that, you know, the signs that we have around and it's like, I have a one in my front yard of uh, protect the lagoon that I think I got from the anglers for conservation around the Chesapeake Bay, more than half the yards that I saw on the Maryland shore anyway, had these signs that, you know, and, and the license plates, uh, you know, Florida must have a hundred uh, specialty license plates. Now I think Maryland's got about five, but uh Almost every car I, I saw had a uh, Save the Chesapeake Bay license plate on the back of the car. You know, one of these things where you pay extra to get a message on your license plate. We have those. I have one uh, for the Indian River Lagoon on, on my car, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not nowhere near as dominant as they are up there. So, you know, the Chesapeake Bay has been at it longer than we have. And, and I think the most important thing is the awareness of the people. And I think we are building the awareness of the people here that uh, give us another 10 years and maybe we'll catch up. Definitely. That's, that's a great response. It's good to compare ourselves to uh, the success stories and look up to that as a, a template for, for us at the Lagoon. Well, thank you both for joining us. It was really great to have you on Craig and Vince. Thanks for having Paul, us. Yeah. Paul really appreciate your initiative to undertake this. Thank you. Hopefully this is one of many episodes. So again, this was our first episode. We'll be doing them on as many topics as we can think about. You can stream this and past shows wherever you get your podcasts. For any feedback, please contact the Brevard Indian River Lagoon Coalition Save Our Lagoon page on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at birlc at saveourlagoon.org. You can also visit our website, helpourlagoon.org. Music was by Vacationer from the album Wavelengths. 
Thank you all for listening.